This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hi, Ellis Pod fans. It's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parking or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off could be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to The Loaf Strangers, a Swindon Town fan podcast with me, Rich Pullen, proudly sponsored by the STFC Official Supporters Club. Rogers is streaking ahead and he's onside. Beautiful play! That is that! What a shot! Thank you very much for agreeing to take part in this podcast. No worries, it's a pleasure. What many of the listeners are very interested in at the moment is how you guys are coping and dealing with the lockdown. By the time this episode comes out, we might know a little bit more because I think we're due some news from the EFL over the coming days. Um, Question from Ian in Florida. He says, how would you like the season to play out and how close are you to full fitness? Um, I've been I've been fully fit for a while. I was supposed to be uh, back fit for the Crawley game before all this was um, stopped. So uh, fitness, I've just I've just been like everyone, just like keeping fit and and try to get ready. But um, it, it is difficult because the fact to to not know when we're gonna be back and things like that. So. Um, I'm I'm not too sure. I I want to go back, of course, but I start hearing some stuff about making games shorter and stuff like that. And then it's just it just do my head in really. So it is frustrating because we like to know one way or another what we're doing and be able to just move on with it and get ready for for whatever we've got to do. But at the moment, it's like every day is changing. We hear rumors 
it was just a bit um so we kept i just thought i was checking all the time i wasn't using stuff and i've just i just trying to 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 stay fit and just mind myself and my family and 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 wait to hear like what's happening yeah i was exactly the same as you really in regards to what happens next and in the first few weeks i was obsessed with it i was coming up with all these ideas and plans and then it just turned a bit crazy and farcical and now it's just tell me if it's continuing or if it's not just just make a decision and we'll take it from there how how do you keep yourself prepared and mentally motivated during this time when you don't know for certain when you'll be back be it may 16th or beyond that's a thing because like obviously if we were to be back uh, just for next season i would be doing a different programs and what i do if we're back in two weeks so but so you've got to prepare at the moment you we're preparing i'm preparing like we will be back in two weeks uh, sometime mentally you've got to push yourself because you you think i don't think we'll be back in two weeks but you've got to keep ready because just like in case it's happening you you can't just you can't just in two weeks they say like you're coming back and feel like you haven't done enough so you've got to push yourself so and you've got to deal with the situation as well so i'm here with um the, the kids and stuff so it's not a normal situation um so you just got to adapt i'm trying to get up early and and do my um go and do my work early and do my training and then come back and then after it's just um, keeping busy with the family yeah and, and a question that always comes in what are you watching on netflix amazon or disney yeah, it's a lot more Disney than Netflix at the minute. <laughs> but, um, yeah, Disney. I think we've done all of them, and uh, Netflix. Um, I've been watching the last, um, the last dance about um, Michael Jordan. Yeah. I was, um, I was finding interesting all, was some stuff about um, the greatest like sports people and their mentality. And uh, so I've been watching that. I've been watching some. I'm a big fan of NFL, so I've been watching some documentaries about. Peyton Manning and things like that if it rings a bell for people um so yeah that's that's what I do but usually that's in the evening during the day it's like it's more like Disney and and just playing the garden really in relation to the Michael Jordan documentary and I, I said this to Richie Wellens I still can't believe how little Scotty Pippen was getting paid in in comparison to Michael Jordan absolutely crazy yeah it's unbelievable like you see probably he was probably a top five at, at the time, and it's just, it's just ridiculous. But um, as a kid, like growing up, like the Bulls were like everything. Everyone yeah. was wearing like the the Bulls outfit, and Michael Jordan was the one. And but he, I was the younger, so I didn't realize we were everything behind the scenes and all of that. So it's so interesting and the mentality of the guy, and even Scotty Pippen to just carry on like that. And it's a different like generation now. I don't think it'll happen. People would just. Um, probably stop playing if uh, I think if it was like that <laughs> but um, no, it, it was great yeah okay well let's talk about your career so we start right yeah. at the beginning um, when you were younger who was your favourite yeah. football team and who were your football heroes um, favourite favourite football team would be like my hometown school um, Luav like, like where like Pogba Maris and everything um, go through I used to go like with my family watch the games and then um, then I signed up and I was in the academy there. So it also always was my favorite team. But we were always like a kind of like second division, between second and first division. So we, we are not our greatest team, but like, that was my thing to go and um, watch them when I was younger. And if not, like the big club, like Paris, always been the 
the one um I support like in a bigger like in the first division if if you say like I've never really been a big fan of one team but it would be all, probably the the one I would say. And who were those players that you that you admired? Uh, I don't know if you would know much of them really, but like when I was growing up, yeah, PSG it was like uh, Rai. There was um, Ronaldinho was at PSG at one point. Yeah, so, JJ Acocha as well, Patrice yeah. Loco. You had you had Ibrahim Bar as well in in France at that time as well, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Well, Ibrahim Bar come from um, from Havre as well, so yeah, he was exactly. one of them. Exactly. Yeah. As well. Um, but then after it was like more like the French national team players. So I used to like really when I started playing defenders, I used to like uh, Laurent Blanc a lot, uh, Marcel Desai, of course. So they were the one really. Um, I mean, like every kid used to love Zidane. So they were the one, really. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what, you're 10 years old when, when France win the World Cup, which is yeah. a really good age for that in many ways because you've got one side of you wants to be a bit older so you can sort of enjoy it more. But the fact that they, that France won it makes it that little bit better. But that was a great World Cup anyway. Yeah, it was unbelievable. I remember I was in a, I was in the holidays like in a, in a camp, camp like site. In, in south of France and then I remember when everyone's outside and then when they won everyone was like on their bike around and just like screaming and stuff so it's there it's great memories and I'm lucky we we did it again recently so it's great yeah I wonder what that feeling is like I don't think I'll ever <laughs> feel it to be honest with you <laughs> so there was there was something that, that that I was listening on on a podcast recently and it was a, a French journalist based in England called Philippe Auclair and he was saying that France doesn't really have a football culture like England does would you say that's true? No we don't say that really mm-hmm. was he a, a French person that said that? Yeah Philippe Auclair yeah was it? No I think like football is like it's massive and it's just no it's just it's, it's, it's different the way we approach football but we've got our own culture about football I think um, a lot um, street football. Um, so I think that's how it starts. It starts a lot. I think um, we've got a lot of like um, rough areas and you know big suburban areas where football is played in the street. Football is played. Um, we do futsal a lot. So it's a lot. Uh, we get a lot of players coming through where we see them like you know all them like technical players and really less Maris type of players. Um, so football, uh, football in France is, a, is is a lot like that. It's different than probably the English football that you grew up to. Mm. Uh, but no, like football is a massive part of um, it, it's it's a massive part of the culture. And then when we talk about '98 um, um, World Cup, was massive as well for the for the nation in terms of like um, we've got a lot of immigration and um, it kind of like got us together through football I think so um, I think is football is yeah, I think is massive and I, I wouldn't agree with that saying we haven't got a culture I think football is is massive in France really yeah when you were starting playing football as a kid before you joined the the academy at Le Havre um, what sort of footballer were you were you a um, were you a defender from the start or did you play in various positions I, I used to play goalkeeper when I was really, really young. So I started goalkeeper. And then my team was quite good, so I got bored. <laughs> they had much to do. And then I started playing striker and then scored a lot of goals. And I saw I got um, asked to go to the academy, really, because 
so I went there strikers and then every year I was dropping one position and then <laughs> I ended up uh, centre back. Okay, so as you as you mentioned, you started <coughs> your career in the academy of your home side club. What was that experience like for you from beginning to end? It, when when I look back at it, I've, I've got like a lot of like fond memories because we're one of the best academies, so we used to go to big tournament and play against the biggest team, against Liverpool, against like. Juventus and like um, stuff like that. So I was fortunate that I made a great, great memories. But it was really professional for me, young age. And um, and when I look back at it, if it was my kids, I probably um, wouldn't do the same way. I probably wait. I think it's like it kind of like I had a point when I was, I got older around um, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, where like I felt drained. I felt like I've I've been already a professional for for five, six years and it, uh, at this age is, is really hard and you're missing out on, on a lot of your youth. Yeah. But um, yeah, we were like pretty much like quite professional and training like four to five times a week already like uh, 14, 15. So it, it, it was pretty full on, but uh, I made some great memories as well. So it goes both ways really. Yeah, absolutely. And when when you're at that stage of your life, when you're in your teens, playing for your hometown club, what at that moment was your goal in professional football? Where, where did you want to go when you were young? Did you just want to get to the highest level possible? Did you want to travel the world? Did you want to go to different countries? What what were you hoping for? Yeah, when I was younger, so like. When you say when do you know like when I was like fifteen, sixteen, when you start training and you're training that much and it takes so much of your life and you sacrifice so much. I wanted to be a, a professional footballer. I wanted to make it. Yeah, like you say, I wanted to be. I was close to like the French like youth team, national teams and stuff. So you take it really seriously and you got big dreams. I'm hoping to play as higher. Uh, English football starting to get bigger and bigger with like Arsenal with the French players coming like start to come over in England and I was it always been a dream of mine to come to England really people used to call me um, Premier League because I was always like talking about it and I was like sometimes joking in training and um, recreating like yeah, I was trying to I was trying Steven Gerrard like diags and tackles and knee slides like we were seeing like celebration in the Premier League and yeah like my, my teammate used to call me Premier League so it was always kind of like a back of my head to come to play in England. Have visions of you staring, you know, staring out from Normandy across the English Channel saying one day I'm going to make it across. <laughs> yeah, it was, like, it was a bit, it was a bit like that. I'm not, uh, you know, pretty close. So, but um, I've, I've made some tournament as well. So it can be a part of it. Um, we had two or three tournament with my academy where we came to um, England. I'm sure it was Brighton, but I was young, so I'm not too sure. But, I think it was in the Brighton area because our club were kind of like twin together, Brighton and Love. So we came a few times over here and it was just like, I don't know, everything, you know, in a different different culture and stuff. And it was just like, it was just appealing me and I, I wanted one day to, to, to come here. Yeah. And it doesn't work out at love for you was it a case that you just gone as far and they, they didn't want you for the senior team or did you choose to leave to go to Twire at that point well I, I was like um, I was a kid from the area and it, like everyone loved me and I was doing quite well and then there's this match this new um, 
academy manager that came here and like to overall stuff and he's changed all the stuff and his mentality was a bit we didn't really we didn't get on at all and um, I was not happy and I was young and I was like um, I don't want to I want to, um, to be there for him it's, um, it's that or, so I, it's that or, I need to move on or I stop playing football so um, the chairman didn't want me to leave and he was like we just but it, in the end, like I knew him for so long because I've been at the club for so long. He understood uh, he, he, there was no really option, other options. Oh, I was stopping playing football. I was just letting it go. So, so I decided to move on and went to Troyes. Um, and then it, it was kind of like first time I left home, and it was like he, he, I think it was an important step in in. In my in uh, in my growth and becoming more independent and and yeah, so that's what happened. Yeah, and Twa at that stage were in League Deux, so that's that's a good level of football. That seems like such a big risk, and you don't really see. I say this with no information in front of me, but when I think of English equivalent, I don't think of many players that that sort of go from like, I mean, Love would have been League and League Two, League Deux up and down wouldn't they and and, yeah. and Twa, you know there in league Deux, that's that's quite a nice step um given the fact that you've just left another another similar size club um yeah. was that daunting going as an 18 year old to an adult team in the hope that you play regular football yeah it was but um my parents like wanted me to carry on like with my study especially my mom and stuff and she was not really keen on me moving um, so I said to her, like, just give me two years, I signed two years and then if I don't make it, I just go back and go back to school and do whatever. So um, it, it, it was quite scary, but um, I'm quite stubborn. So <laughs> I knew I had it to, to give it a go and and I did. And I, I said, at the time, uh, Trois was in uh, Ligue 1. Um, so it was like, yeah, it was quite, I was quite like, um excited to get there and then when I got there I, I played with like there was some like great players that, uh, in training like with like Matudi and players like that so yeah it, it was a good experience Looking at Twa during that time they like to change their managers quite a lot you played a lot under yeah. Ludovic Batelli and then yeah. um, then Patrick Remy and eventually you leave when Jean-Marc Follin is in there and I think Cla- Claude Raban is also caretaker during that that time that you had there is that difficult because you played a lot of football under Batelli and not as much after that is that purely on the basis of like a new manager comes in with a new idea how, how difficult was that for you well after um, when I started playing I started playing with Ludovic Batelli and um, so we got that season but um, I was young and then we got relegated at the end of the season so we had a change of chairman so a new chairman came in with like new sports director and they were trying to because we got really good. They're trying to get some money, and um, so I was talking to Leeds. So I came to train with Leeds, and Leeds wanted to sign me. So I stay in Leeds for about um, about a month in preseason, and I was gonna sign for Leeds that year. And then um, the new chairman and the people uh, trois um, new in football, like they were seeing leads and stuff like that so they were trying to be really greedy 
and my agent didn't really advise me at the best and told me like oh, you've got to stay here and just basically go into a fight with um, my club and I was young so I, I didn't know any better I was just listening to he told me oh if you stay here it'll be alright we'll just come to an agreement and they will let you go to Leeds so I did that and, and then from then my relationship with the club got broken so say first of August um, came and they didn't agree to anything so I had to come back and then I started playing a bit and then I got injured and then from then it was just yeah the the relationship was gone and um, the season after in the summer they say like you, you won't play again so um, trying to find somewhere so that's why I, and that's when I was looking and then I went to um, end up in Bournemouth yeah I, I've talked to quite a lot of footballers and ex-footballers over the last two years doing this podcast and it's given me like more appreciation of those sort of crossroad moments and most footballers tell me you don't look back and say what if but to be denied Leeds United who are getting bigger 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 now because you know they've, they've got more backing do you do you look back at that and just go Somebody who had no right to dictate where my career goes prevented you from joining one of the biggest teams outside of the Premier League. And does that not make you look back and go, yeah? It is. It is really frustrating. It's like, it's a, like when you say about what if. Um, I don't I really regret on stuff I, I'm doing because when I feel like when you give your best, um, then you, you don't get regret Like if you give everything. But this is one of my regret is this because, like, I knew at the time, and that's probably why I didn't probably um, when I went to Leeds and I, I knew Leeds, but I didn't realize till I got there. And then I start playing a preseason game and Grimsby away, and it was I think it was sold out, and it was just full of Leeds fans. There was no Grimsby fans in there. It was just Leeds, Leeds fans everywhere. Um, my Facebook page as a week in training was just like full of like requests from like Leeds fans. Then um, once I was not qualified, but I went to home game, the first friendly home game, and it was so that the game had to be delayed by 15 minutes because like, people didn't have time to get in the stadium. And I was like, you see the training ground and it was Premier League like standards. And I was like, I'm, I need to stay here. Like, And even if it was not like me to be like, to get into a fight with my club I was like and my agent was telling me don't worry like, it'd be fine just stay here and I was like, oh, like it, it'd be worth it I think like, it, was un- it was unbelievable and I was like it's a big opportunity I was training with with players and I knew they were like not going to stay in League 1 for a long time so um, we had like fa- I was training with like Fabian Dahl Jeremy Beckford uh, Bradley Johnson who was there uh, Johnny Harson. Um, that like it was it was a great team and I was like I need to stay here I think it would be like massive for my career so mm. it didn't happen and the most frustrated stuff was like when I come back and then the way the way it went after with a trois or like so the year after they told me I could go and I was like so you stopped me going to Leeds and then a year after you tell me I can go it's, it, it was frustrating but then after you, you got to move on and then everything say everything happened for a reason so I ended up in Bournemouth and it was a great time as well so 
It is what it is, yeah. It is what it is, exactly right. Um, before we move to England, Neon Geckos asks, what do you consider the main differences between the lower leagues in England and France, if any? Um, fans. I think fans is like the that make the biggest difference between France and stuff. Like uh, from second division, what well, back then it was like it was quite good, but I've come back the last few years to watch a few of Luav and the stadiums are quite empty. The atmosphere is quite um, flat, and then you go to the third and fourth division, and it's like it's closer. Attendance-wise, it's more like conference really. So it's like. It is a massive difference, and, and yeah, the atmosphere in the in the stadiums will like change a lot of like the perception you've got of the football, really. So it is uh, for me, it's a massive difference. You can, yeah, the equivalent, so like the third division in France, and compared to the league one, is like the atmosphere around and the way it's treated is. It's not comparable. Sure. And one last thing, because I, I look back, when I do my research, I do look at your careers and who you played alongside and against, and it was good to see that you uh, you were part of a side that shut out Aubameyang um, early in his career. <laughs> yeah, I did, yeah. I, put that, <laughs> I say that to Lad a few times, but um, I played with Aubameyang as well. Um, he came. To, he was a little academy, but he only stayed for four, four months now and that. Um, so I played with him. And then uh, seeing him again, like when we play in, uh, in second division, and yeah, what was the score you said? I think it was. I don't think. I think it was two or three one, but he didn't score. No, he didn't score. Yeah, I was happy with that. But, um, <laughs> he's gone to have a great career now, and yeah, I don't, I'm not sure if he remembered me, but it, it was a good time. Goodwin loses out. He's on side, and this time it's five. And this time, Eric Seven doesn't miss. So you moved to Bournemouth, um, yeah. sort of midway through the 2010-11 season. Lee Bradbury is the man who signed you. How did that move come about? So, like I say, I wanted to go um, into England. So I got by people I know, people I got and contact with an English agent, and then. Because um, Trois told me that I could go, so I just had to find something. And then they find me a trial in January. It was quite unusual, but um, Trois agreed to it. So I went there and I spent basically all January on there. But I, I, I first came with uh, Eddie Al, trying two weeks, and I think um, I was going to sign. And then he just left for Burnley. So that was a bit of a blow, and I didn't really know what was happening. And then Bradbury, that was a player become the manager but it was funny because the first two weeks when I was training against Bradbury I keep kicking him out because <laughs> I, I, I was really aggressive because um, for me for me like English football was like you've got to show you're aggressive you've got to show you can handle it so every day in training I was get, I was really aggressive really up for it I think he had a few words with me I didn't know what he was saying at the time so when I seen him like becoming the manager I was like oh my god I've got no chance here <laughs> in the end I think he, he liked that part of me and um yeah, he just signed me, so he was he, he was great with me, and um, it was a team that was like flying. So um, they they went to the um, playoff semi-finals. So I didn't really have like opportunity to play in like six months, but it was like it was a great experience. It was a great team, like great, like the the mentality of the team was was great, and it just kind of like got me to love the English football and adapt to 
here and got to life like the love the English life. So yeah, it was it was one of the best memories like I had. Yeah, Bournemouth at that stage is doing is is kind of in the transition of the Bournemouth that Swindon fans know over the years because we played Bournemouth many many times to what they are now in the Premier League or just about. So you had the old guard, which was like Stephen Fletcher, Stephen Purchase, um, Sean yeah. Cooper, Warren Cummings, but you also had these new younger players coming through, like Danny Ings, Adam Smith was on loan, I think, and Harry Arter yeah. and Mark Pugh. So it was it was they went through, you know. We're cynical from outsiders about, you know, how they got to the Premier League. But they did have a stable team, didn't they? They had a stable team that, that transitioned the old guard to the new guard quite seamlessly without spending money at that stage. Yeah, at that stage, I think they were like, um, when I came in, it was, it was Eddie. And I think he did a great job to keep them up from like, administration, League 2. And then the next year, they got promoted from League 2 to League 1. And then straight, though, when I came, that was their first season in League 1. And they were like, top two most of the season with Brighton if I remember well or Southampton and um, they had a great season and it was like Hedy Arnest when he left he kind of like got a bit of um, we, we carried on but I think the team like, it was a bit like a, when I was a little annoying it was like they were a bit punching above their weights and that's when the in February and stuff it becomes a bit difficult so they kind of stalled a bit to still make the playoff and then just lost on penalties to um, Huddersfield but yeah, it was a it was a, a great team, and it, that was before the, the money got invested, and they were still like close to get to the championship. So, but it, it was a great club, like a family club, and really close to really what I find as, as Swindon is a, um, a town with only one club, so it's quite well um, supported, and the club is quite a big part of, of the life of the town, really. Yeah, yeah, you're there for well just over a year, but I think. The biggest achievement during this time for you, really, and we have to talk about it, is the Dagenham Redbridge loan, which, you know, to anybody who doesn't know, will mean very, very little. But you you arrive at Dagenham and Redbridge, and frankly, they are dead and buried. They are going to the National League. They're losing most weeks. And then you come in for the last 11 games. And I'm not saying you're solely responsible for this. They only lose two games during that time. They win quite a few and they stay up. What an incredible turnaround that was. Yeah, it was unbelievable. But it means only for the people that realise that we're here and stuff. When I said that to the lads, I'm joking, like <laughs> talking about the great escape, they don't they don't really get it. But um it was quite unbelievable. So like that year, um I got injured and then when I come back from injury, um Bradbury said to me, just get some games because I've I've never really played in England. So he said, just get some games and then so prepare you for next season. So I went to my agent, called me and said, Dagenham, what you're on loan? And I looked at the table and I was like, <laughs> I think there was like six points from safety or something like that. Or six or nine points from safety. And I was like, really? And he was like, yeah, yeah, games is games. Like, if you do well, like, it'll be good for you. Good experience. And then you can come back to Bournemouth. So I went there and then I met um, John Steele. was like an unbelievable character. Um, it was a different type of football, but I just like, I loved him. And he was the the way it was so old school but it was like a proper proper man and it was just like I enjoyed it and he went to on the run so we were six points from safety with like 10 or 11 games to go and we we got safe about three games from the end or something like that yeah. so we just were on the basically playoff platform during that time and it was yeah it was a great time like the the fans and what it means to them because it's like a small club but it, it, it was a great experience and yeah, 
for me like one of the biggest achievement but like oh, for only for myself like people don't realize it, it was quite it was quite a big thing yeah it was, it, I mean I, I remember it vaguely because it's one of the most exciting parts of the season if you're not involved is watching the yeah. team scrap for survival in the football league and you always get that one team that has that sort of last wind at the end where they just they, they become world beaters Newport County did it a few years ago as well and and that time you were a part of the Dagenham Redbridge team that, that achieved that and you know, yeah. given what happened at Dagenham, were you expecting a new contract or Bournemouth, or did you think that you would be leaving that that summer? Well, because I did quite well, so like um, John Steele like told me, oh, like for a man like John Steele said to me, I think you, you were a big part of like of us staying up and stuff. So I was like, I must have been doing all right. And in my head, I was thinking Bournemouth is keeping t- uh, touching me. But the problem is like while I was on loan to um, Dagenham, uh, Lee Bradbury like I got the sack in Bournemouth. So the new manager that came in, I didn't know. I didn't know him. Like he was a youth team coach, but I've never really got in contact with him. I've never, he's never really seen me play, and I, I thought he would send people probably to watch me at Dagenham, but I've never seen anyone. So I think he was just one of them. They just moved on. He had some um, new investors, as like a Russian investors. So I think they're just happy to just go with people with more pedigree and um, spend more money and didn't really. So it was it was like that really, but like um, it helped me find a new club because like if I didn't do that, um, I wouldn't have played much English football. So it was um, people see me play with Dagenham and that's how I end up at um, Leighton really. When you leave Bournemouth, you've still <laughs> collectively only played about just over twenty games in first team football in England and but you still get a move to a League One side and it starts this wonderful love affair that you have with Leighton Orient um, who are then they're managed by Russell Slade and uh, Barry Hearn of course is the owner first season starts poorly but gets better nearer to the end what was it what were your experiences of working under Russell Slade and Barry Hearn yeah it was great but yeah yeah uh, I I loved them like it was like the the relationship like we are all really close. It was like a small squad and uh, even the chairman was always down and we had a great relationship with him. We loved him. He like he used to like offer us like deal like if we do we go to Wembley we he get us to Vegas and stuff like that. He was he was just like he was he was great. Um, but uh, but when I came there like because I I didn't really play football. I think they got me more as a backup. Um, Centre half, and then um, when I got there in pre season, they got probably a bit surprised. Um, and then they wanted he wanted to play me in midfield because he had his centre half. So I played a bit midfield, but really I just uh, I had to wait till probably till October, November to start playing as centre half because he had like experience. Um, ben Shorley, that was like, or Mm. Um, Scotty Cuthbert yeah Scotty Cuthbert yeah <laughs> that you know as well so that, I was probably just a backup so I just had to wait till probably October November to get my first run at the centre half and then I just ended up playing the full season and and get um, play of the season so it was um, it, it was great I mean we we carry on with that team on the run because um, from that the start of the season was not great. I think October, November, we were like second, um, and we were like about 18th or something. Mm-hmm. And then we ended up just just outside the playoff, 
but we carry on that momentum into the next season and we started the next season with just nine wins in a row, eight or nine wins in a row and then we ended up to um, got us to um, the Wembley uh, final. Yeah, we'll talk about just in a moment. How important is it for overseas players to get a little taste of London? I always hear that footballers want to want to play or live in London. Was that the case for you? Not really, no. <laughs> Not really. I was like, I was I was quite happy like um um life wise I, I really love like um Bournemouth. Um I'm I'm back living in Bournemouth now, like, I just love that place and it was just a bit of everything. Um London was a lot of traffic really. A lot of like, driving, really expensive. But it, when I see back now like I've got kids and stuff, if I was single I think I would have tried to live a bit closer to um centre and just um because there's so many stuff to do that I feel I've probably missed out on just experience. Like there's so many like restaurants and place to go and and to visit. But um, but no, I didn't really. I was not really like excited to be in London. But yeah, I love my time there though. It would have to be a a big job offer for me to move to London. I got to be honest with you. I I I, just, <laughs> I, I can cope with it, but. Oh man, it's 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 just a little bit too busy for my liking, I think, um, and a little yeah. bit too expensive, maybe, um, from in comparison to the to the southwest. So, I mean, let's talk about that playoff season because the start of the twenty thirteen fourteen season is unbelievable for Leighton Orient. Nobody saw it coming. Nobody expected it to last. But I mean, you finished third, so in fear, it absolutely did last. What was the mm. secret behind that? behind that season because you had loads of players that have been there done that you had like veteran like Kevin Lisby up front you had Dave Mooney scoring goals it's a breakout season for Moses um, uh, Odebajo and of course Dean Cox always used to terrorise Swindon when, when, when we played them you did the double against us comfortably that year what was the secret to the success behind Leighton Orient that year? I think we were so close but it was just um, everyone was like pulling in the same direction we all had like a kind of like chip in our shoulders people like Lisby even if he was older like he had like a point to prove people like myself that were like at that age where we wanted to just go to the next step and get higher and we had like young players like Odubajo and but most of all like the uh, Russell say was really good at this he made like um it was really important about the the character and we got all gown together some of my best friends probably my best friends in England are mostly from um that team we still talk together we still see each other every time we can we were really, really close, and we were like really, like um, we we're ambitious and quite competitive. Um, we had a really small team, so that's probably what cost us at the end. We had like we used mainly about we had twelve, thirteen players that probably could start, and um, the rest was like young players. And we knew like if we had like a couple of injuries, we'd probably struggle. So we started really well, really well, and then we had a bit of a blip after um, January. Uh, February, we uh, we picked up a few injuries or a few suspension, and for a team like us, it became quite difficult. We are competing against Brentford and Wolves mainly. It was like two team really for the for the top uh, three places, and then in the end, we just um, we fall short. But we probably got one of the highest points for a third place finish. Um, and then yeah, and then we ended up and we dominated the playoffs as well, and. Um, we dominated the final, and then it just we just lost on penalties. We had two 0 at half time, so 
It's it's a great game, isn't it? It's it's it was uh, it was well you know you might dis- disagree with that, but for, as a neutral, I remember watching that game, and of course you had you, it was a story. It was a tale of five minutes for both of you, wasn't it? Because I think you you went two 0 up within five minutes, and then X Windham play Alex Ravel scores two goals in the second half again within five minutes of each other. It was just those it was just those blasts. It, it was a remarkable viewing. It was like it, yeah, it was a bit. Because at the time, at halftime, and we dominated so much, and you're thinking there's nothing that can happen. They can't get, they can't get us. Like they didn't really threaten us, and even in the second half, really, they didn't really do not like. They didn't really have chances, and uh, Revel, um who played for Swindon, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Yep. He scored. He, he scored from that like, forty yard yeah. goal. Probably, he would never score one like that again. And um, and the set pieces was a bit scrappy, so it was really frustrating. Because we didn't feel really in danger, and we didn't feel really they're gonna score, and uh, apart from them two um, goals, so it was frustrating. And then, but we just crash score another one, and then penalties, and it's a bit of a lottery. And I missed, obviously, I missed one, so it's not. But overall, it was a great experience, and it was like um, I made memories of a lifetime, and it, it, it was unbelievable. It's the emotions to share, like. Um, to share this was like if teammates is great, but when it's like also your, it was is some of my best friends. Like it was just unbelievable. Uh, so even if we lost, I, I, uh, Wembley, I, I've still got um, happy memories of it, and it's still a great experience. At the end of the day, like I say, like you, you give everything, and then sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. It's just football. So I'm not too. People say, oh, it's, it's the worst memory. I'm like, nah, it's still it's still a happy memory too. Just have been there and, and done it. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. And Calv asks, how did you put the playoff final penalty miss behind you um, after that game? I'm, I'm pretty sure you guys did get to Vegas in the end, didn't you? Yeah, we did to <laughs> Vegas, and it's just like um, the challenge was great, and then we enjoyed it. And it's just here's what it is: we like we gave everything, and then um, you fall um, you fall short, but you don't. I didn't have any regret. I didn't have any regrets to take a penalty. I take responsibility. And I missed it, and it, I would have more regret if I didn't take one, and I would have lost without me doing anything. So it it was one of them, and it, it it's weird because it doesn't really hit you, or it's just me, but it didn't hit me really. You don't realize like you just lose again. You're hungry, like you you're not happy with it, but it just doesn't hit you till the fixtures of next season, and when you see like Robin again playing against Derby County on the first game of season and we're yeah. playing Chesterfield at home. Yeah. So it's just like, that's when it start hitting you. But during the summer, it's just, you, you don't really realise really. So that's, but um, we got in a new season, we got new owners, so you're thinking, oh, we're trying to go again. And that's how you, it's, it's football, you just got to move on and get ready for what's what's next. I completely agree with you that it's business as usual until you look at the fixture lists and you see yeah. like when Swindon got like tonked by by Preston in the playoffs it, it you know you get you get a, a big loss so you, you kind of you're angry you're upset but you kind of deal with it and then the fixture list comes out and you see who Preston have got on day one and then you see who Swindon have got on day one and it's not a meant to be disrespectful to the team that Swindon are playing. It's just, oh, it's the difference between the Championship and League One is is so great, especially nowadays. Um, yeah. That's when you start sort of going, damn it. Um, yeah, so as, yeah. You, as you mentioned, uh, 
the the Hearn family leave Leighton Orient and it, it, a new era has started. Well, we'll say it doesn't go to plan. Um, no, not at all. I mean, I I can't sort of. Uh, this happened to Swindon without the owners changing. So Swindon got into the playoff final against Millwall and got relegated the, the following season. What I mean, Russell Slade leaves early on. This is where Leighton Orient start to get that reputation of just churning through managers. I think Kevin Nugent is caretaker. Then Mauro Milienze comes in and Fabio Liverani. What what went wrong fundamentally that, that year? It was just... Um... I don't know. They tried to come here and change it and uh, bring like loads of different people and bring like a sports director Italian and change everything that we were doing. Like, um, so we had like a kind of like recipe that was working with people like you say like a bit similar with like similar um, aim and in the same direction. We're doing the things in a certain way. It was like a really family club and um, it just kind of like the lost the balance of all of it with a new chairman who just came in and the sport with this Italian sports director that was there just overlooking everything that they have includes. I don't know, it was just it was just weird. Like he, we started after five five games, I think we drew and he, someone he came in the change room and said like if we don't win the next one the manager's gone or something. Uh and then we keep changing and so the sport director become a manager when he don't want to be the manager, but he has to, and then he gets sacked, and then they bring an Italian manager that don't speak English at all, and then they ask the sport director just been sacked from manager to be the translator, but he don't want to translate, so we don't have a clue what's happening, and it's just been like that all season. We had the, uh, they signed a former striker that used to play in Serie B or Serie A but was 36 years old coming back from a cruciate ligament he was five months into his rehab he was starting up front fast and he couldn't run we had the left back at the end of his career that played for Liverpool and he's just Dossini, yeah, yeah, Dossini, yeah forcing him to play in there and it's just I think at one point the chairman wanted him to play up top because he played high up and he scored it once against Real Madrid so if we play him up top, you'll have more chance to score. It was just, it was baffling. It, every day was just, every day was just um, a circus and we just lost a bit. We just lost a bit of what we were doing and it's just, in this league, it's, it's so close. In, in League One, it's like every game, if you don't, if you're not right, um, you can lose against everyone. So we just, we just went in a spiral and we couldn't get out of it. Yeah, that's pretty thorough. I can't argue with any. That that that'll do it. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, that'll do it. So, um, fifteen sixteen is on the pitch. It improves in in League Two. You're not, you know. You, I think it's just about. Is it playoffs? Just just below the playoffs that that you get to in fifteen sixteen. But again, the season is it's dominated by the change of managers yet again because you have. Liverani leaves, Ian Hendon, Andy Hessenthaler, and even Kevin Nolan's on the scene at that stage. So it's just churning through these managers, isn't it? Yeah, it was like that. And when you see like we finish, uh, we finish like I think a point or two like, outside the playoff with like all that's been happening against the season, the change of managers and all the things that happened once we lost, we got and um, we come back and we send us straight to the hotel and we had to stay in a hotel for a week without seeing everyone um, so it was just 
Um, the fact we finished two points of the season, I feel quite proud of. Mm. Um, I was captain, so I had to deal with a lot of like um, rubbish during that time. Um, so I was quite proud of it. Um, but we had quite a young team. We signed a lot of um, people from non-league, and um, so we knew like it was not going to be like straight away. So. It, it was it was a bit frustrating, and then I was at the end of my contract, and they wanted me to stay. But I, by that time, I loved that club, but I don't think I could like, carry on like that. So I had, I had to move on. Yeah, that's fair enough. In regards to being captain, I think it's something that football fans are really beginning to understand or appreciate more and more because we have more access to football clubs and football players now. That the responsibility of the club captain goes way beyond the football pitch, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Um, it, sh- it does. It shouldn't really when, when the team is doing well and stuff like that. It's, oh, it's well run. Like You don't really have to when, when the margin is in control and everything above is, is running smoothly. Like We don't really, shouldn't really have to do too much. But um, that time it was just every day. So it was a bit tiring. Um nothing compared to what is here like here like it's it's quite easy like so it's just you've got to say a few things when when things are not going right or when you see a few things but the manager and everyone's got it's going under control so it's pretty easy yeah well you get yourself a good move you get uh, a move to Doncaster Rovers who are also in League 2 at that stage with Darren Ferguson in charge there how did you find that commute? Mike what do you mean my did, commute? Did, did you move up to Doncaster or? Uh... Yeah, I did. I did move to Doncaster. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, I did move to Doncaster. No, I've, uh, I don't like really driving too much, but um, it, it was a bit too far from Bournemouth. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I, I love the the manager. Um, while all was doing like, in League One, a little annoying. I was actually signed a pickable for Dan Ferguson. Like, funny enough, like, it's a story. Like, so they told me when the Italian manager came in, the one I didn't speak English, I didn't play for three months, but he never seen me play. But I was like, why? Um, he never, he's never given me a chance, but so it was like, uh, so after three months, I was like, well, I said, like, well, can I leave then? And it was like, oh, if you want to leave, you, you can leave. And I was, if someone pay your wage, you can go on loan. I was like, oh, fine. So Dan Ferguson get me, I'm going there, all agreed, I'm going and I'm. I'm I'm signing the paper before training on this Thursday. Do an hour and a half shape where I'm starting to send them back for Peterborough on the Saturday. So I'm doing the shape, tactical work, and then after training, the manager called me and say, um, uh, "They want you back now. Someone is ill. You need to go back. You play Saturday for it." And all, and I was like, "All right." So I was not really happy with it, but I come back and then on this, I, I travel all the way, and then. I wasn't. I was not even on the bench. I was in a stand yeah. for late annoying. So it's one of them things that have been keep happening in uh, in late annoying. But then, so then I keep in contact with um, Dan Ferguson, and then in the summer he said to he called me and he said, "I know we win um, League Two, but um, we we've got we're gonna build a good team, and we want to get back up straight away." So I knew it was a good manager. I knew it was a hard task to go straight back up, but. Um, I just saw like, yeah, let's let's try, and then we, we managed to to get back up straight away. Yeah, and that's your first promotion in England, isn't it? And it, it, probably good to get it to get it done. This is where you become, well, you get this reputation of of. 
being at clubs that get promoted. That's why we were so happy yeah. to see you join Swindon uh, last summer. And so, I mean, what were your what were your general experiences at Doncaster? You had a good season on the pitch, season one certainly. Um, did did you enjoy it up there? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, so I missed the start of seasons for an injury, and then I started playing again in September. October and then I finished all the season and we got promoted I think five games from the end so it, it was a bit it was a good promotion but and we we ended up like funny enough we were like quite frustrated because we kind of like we are flying all season and we got promoted with like five or six games left we've been top all season yes I remember yeah and then and then we lost we must have lost the last from when we were promoted I don't think we won Four again row, so yeah. Um, yeah so um so like when I missed the start of season, I had this surgery on my heel. It was like deformity. So when um, so when we got promoted, I just did the other hill, and then so I didn't finish the last um, five games. But the fact we didn't finish champions, it was a bit frustrating because it was on the last day of season as well. Like me, uh, um, Doncaster and Plymouth were top all season, and we were fighting for it. And then Portsmouth was not even near it. And then they they. They went top about ten minutes from the the end on the last game from nowhere. So everyone was a bit gutted we didn't uh, finish champions. I was uh, I'm bothered now, but at the time I was just like we we just got the job done. The job was to get promoted, and we did it. And we're gonna be in the league one next season. So that was the main thing. But it kind of like um, killed a bit of the celebration because the fans were a bit frustrated. Um, I think a little bit nicer for everyone to finish those champions really. Yeah, I, re- I remember that because I think that's the season where you have to go to Hartlepool United and they have to win to stand any chance of staying in the fourth yeah. league. And they they get two goals and they win but still go down. And, um, of course, results go against you elsewhere. Does Noel Hunt remind you of that? Because he was a part of that what, Portsmouth team. Portsmouth? Yeah, he I was... think Rosie, Rosie was there as well, wasn't yeah. he? <laughs> Did they remind yeah, you? Yeah. Yeah, I think they talked about it a few times, but <laughs> I still think we were the best team in the league. <laughs> but yeah, we just like it, it was a surreal day. Like, it, uh, like you said, like Arlepool, like was trying to stay up, so we were winning, so we were going up, they were going down, I think. And then they got the lead, so with like ten minutes to go, but you've got start fans start coming on the pitch, like they're staying up. We are devastated because we are not winning the league, and they're like buzzing, <laughs> and then. And then they're still celebrating, but then they must have heard someone else scored on the other pitch. And then just like, so we were down there, we were down, like, everyone was down, and it was like, uh, everyone was, it was a sad day for everyone. And then I think it, it was funny because we got, and the manager got fuming like, in the change room, he was not happy with us. So everyone's got changed, and everyone was head down. And uh, the footballer came and said, Oh, you need to take pictures with like champagne and uh, the. <laughs> And the banners, so we, we had to put our kid back on and just pretend to be just like jumping around and be happy <laughs> while so they could take the pictures. So it was a bit of a funny promotion, but it was quite an, uh, still an achievement to, to get back up shot on the first first time asking. Yeah, and, and is the second season is that injuries that keeps you out for large segments? Yeah, so I finished. So like I said, like I, I did the surgery um, just before the last few games of season, hoping I would be back straight for pre-season. But I think when I come back, because I went straight to pre-season, I did too much too quick. I tried to just, I went straight normal pre-season with everyone rather than still carry on with my program. And I picked up um, 
I picked up a um, stress fracture on where where I did where I had my surgery. So it just took me like it takes long to and to to come back. So yeah, I missed a bit of time with it. And yeah, that was it. So but I come back, I come back, and we 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 still did all right. I think Ferguson was leaving us in the budget was not. They were not. They were like trying to carry his budget and stuff. So we just left, really. Yeah, and and, and you know you get another move, and it's it's to Milton Keynes Dons. So you know, do you, do you move to Milton Keynes at that stage as well, or do you stick where you are? Yeah, for a yeah. bit? So you move down to Milton Keynes. No, yeah, I've been moving uh, everywhere. Like, <laughs> most of the time. It's like yeah, it's the first time I, I I commute, but because the commute is not too much here. No, but right. um, yeah. Yeah, so cool. So you join MK Dons, who's managed by Paul Tisdale, who for many years, everyone in the south of England, lower leagues, wanted Paul Tisdale to be the manager of their club. He used to live in Wiltshire, if he doesn't still. Um, so he was always linked to the Swindon post over the years. What was your experiences, injuries aside, what was your experiences of life at MK Dons? Yeah, no, I loved it. It was like a similar. It was, I think it's like a thing that you pick up in... Every team that's doing well is like the the atmosphere and the, the link between the boys is like it's great. So I I lo- even though I didn't play much, I really enjoyed my time there. I learned some things. Tuesday is a really good manager with like different ideas. So I learned I learned from him. I picked up a few things from him, and um, yeah, it was it was a good time. Amkedans was always like a I really want, I really enjoyed every time when I play at their stadium because it's like a massive stadium and always played a, a nice attractive football so it was like oh I always say I would have liked to play there because it must be enjoyable to play in that in that stadium and every every two weeks and and play that type of football so and then the manager as well played a good style of football at Exa so it, it was it was a no-brainer at the time really yeah I mean in relation to MK Dons because you, you're probably fully aware that they're not the most liked team outside of outside yeah. of um, Milton Keynes do you do you notice that as a player or is it really not as prevalent as it is it may have used to be um yeah you, you yeah you can see it they're not really um they're not really like for me like weird because I, I obviously that all this happened before I came to England so for me it's like it's the club like not others but yeah I can see a bit of negativity from the um, other fans and say when I signed to Swindon they're just saying oh like saying about MK Dunst like so I know they're not really liked and stuff and it's like a young club so this, um, I think they're building up the support because they're trying to get new fans so in a new in a new town so younger people I think the generation they get more and more fans um, but yeah, I enjoyed my time here. Like the infrastructure of the stadium and everything is is really top level, and um, yeah, it's enjoyable to go to to work there every day. Like really, so it, it was a different experience. I'm I'm not I'm not saying it's like Sweden the atmosphere like when when we get exit or or stuff like that where the stadium is bouncing that like you can't recreate that. It's it's difficult in a big stadium like. MK, but um, I, I've had some some really good memories there. Yeah, when you're a player who's experienced injuries and you get to your early thirties, do you start worrying more about where the next contract is going to come at that stage, or do you just leave that to your agent and they they got to 
earn their money, so to speak. Yeah, I'm not really worried about this, like, because I've had this when I was younger. So it's not like a thing like, oh, when I'm, I start turning up fairly, I was like, injuries after injuries. I think if something, I start to know a bit more about um, about myself and um, that I had a problem is like, I'm, sometimes I'm trying to do too much and pushing myself a bit too much. Uh, so that's what happened at Doncaster when I got a stretch fracture, trying to do too much too quick or um, I got injured uh, doing extras or doing more, like too much than I should have done really. So I need to, uh, I've never wanted to do it and now I'm getting older I'm thinking um, it's easier for me to say like, you know what now, like, I'm not doing extras today or you need to rest or, so I'm not really worried about it. It's more the perception of other people outside outside let's say oh, i've been injured and stuff but there's like circumstances say like when i, I was at doncaster i missed games but in two seasons but it was the same injury twice it was i had a deformity in my heel so i had like so i had to do both heels really when i had them both heels so and it was not he i had to do one one season because it was hurting me that much and the other one was not really hurting but i had to do it because he was gonna come later so it, that was one injury really but people don't see it like that or it, it is frustrating for me more like from the opinion people are making of it yeah. but I know the only stuff I can control is like when I'm on a pitch and I feel like when I'm on a pitch what I'm doing and what the results I get so that's the most important stuff so if I play like 16 games and and we won 14 like it's not that bad is it no not at all I mean Richard Mumford had a question saying, why do you struggle with injury so much? And it sounds like it's something that you've encountered a lot through your career. I spoke to Dion Conroy a few weeks ago and he was practically yeah. born with an injury, I think. Um, he's, he's been injured pretty much from, from before he was playing in academies. So is it, yeah. is it just something that that's, that's the body? That's, there's not much you can do about it, you know? Just be more grateful <laughs> that you've managed to have a full career to this date playing professional football. Yeah, like you like if it makes you stronger mentally, I think. And you, like if I never had injury, I think like it would just like take it for granted and stuff. But every time I come back, I feel like it gives you a break and you've got you want to work harder, you want to ask achieve things, and you just kind of like put stuff. You you got time out putting stuff into perspective and thinking about it, and makes you even want wanting more and um. um I, I feel like it's, it's so frustrating because like I don't feel I've had that many injuries, but like it's like this one of them. When I, I feel like it's it's my eager to sometimes do too much that cost me. So like when so once I pick one injury like a little niggle, so I picked a little hamstring this year, and then I did my hamstring. The hamstring was not too long; it was like two three weeks. But then when I come back, I'm trying to do probably too much, and then I was supposed to only play like uh, say one game. We had three games in a row, and I was supposed to play one game. Like, now nah, I'm playing them three games, and then I felt a little bit again. And then when I'm doing the rehab, I'm trying to do too much and probably push myself a bit too hard. And then I pick like some another injury and stuff rather than just go progressively. And that happened a few times in my career where it's, it's, it happened to me at MK Dance last year. It was not a long injury. I had. It was like I did hamstring, and then doing the rehab, I did something else because I'm trying to push myself too hard or I trying to do too much too quick. And um, definitely something I need to learn and I'm trying to learn about it and do more and more but I don't feel like I don't feel unfit I don't feel like it's not like I've done the knee and I feel like I can't move anymore and stuff like that I feel fine yeah um it's just me to learn to manage myself and um 
I, we started the season like like because we started I started the season really well with a manager really like taking on my hands sometimes like giving me rest and saying like that like if you're done for the training today you're not doing extras and stuff like that and I managed to I play till December really I had a knock I got on the hill but it was just really a trauma so it was not but um, I managed to not pick anything and then it's after like boxing day when I got one and then kind of like spiral but I need to just manage this better um, so it, it, it is I think it get better and especially when you get into a club where the physios and stuff start, you know, because when you keep changing club it's hard to explain all this but uh, when now like, I'm, I believe like if say next year it happens again I think the physio and stuff would be more like aware with where I'm at and what I've got to do and the time time frame and just to, so I think I think I I'll be alright, and it's just to keep working, and yeah. But yeah, like, like you can feel like it's frustrating when people talk about it. Richie, he's hit it, and it's deflected, and Swindon Town have the lead. You're listening to the Low Strangers podcast, proudly sponsored by the STFC official supporters club. There was already a little bit of like mild panic from town fans because it seemed that every player that was joining Swindon had some sort of injury record. But, you know, most yeah. footballers have some sort of injury record. But because you'd had such a long time out in the in the eyes of the fans, we were like, OK. And in a season where Swindon town players were dropping like flies, you were the one that stayed stayed fit for the majority i mean almost uh, the whole of 2019 weren't you you were you you're fit during that stage swindon then so i mean did you have options after mk dons or was it just swindon and and sign up or how did the move come about yeah i had some options but then um i went to meet the gaffer and i think he talked about it we were like we're supposed to meet for an hour um and then we talked for about four hours <laughs> And it was just, um, we talked about football and the way we think football and talking about anything, really. And I just felt like, yeah, I think it sounds right. And then he, he used to play with um, with uh, James Coppinger yep. at Doncaster. And then we talked about it before when uh, when I was still at Doncaster. I think uh, that's when the gaffer started um, managing. I said, oh, is it? And he said, oh, you love him. Back then, like when we were at Doncaster, so I was like quite a while ago, and it was like, you, I think he would, as a manager, I think he would be just playing football, don't care about there was a team, just do your own thing, playing from the back. He said, he said to me, you will love him. It's just like it's you to a T and stuff. And then, so I knew I had that in the back of my head. And then when I met Tim Merriam, and I was like, yeah, that's I think that's me. And then there's the Swindon club as well, like same as I say when um, MK Don Stadium, you go to some places and you feel like. It's nice, like it's a good place, it's a good atmosphere. Um, I enjoyed to play there. So it was like, uh, as soon as I said I went to Madrid, I was like, I want to sign to, I want to sign to Swindon. So trying to make it happen, and then that happens. Yeah, and, it, and it's gone very well for you. And most of the Swindon-based questions will be based on on listeners' questions in a few moments' time. But of course, as far as I know, you're out of contract whenever this season ends. Are you hoping to yeah. stay for longer? Is, is is has anything started on that front? Um, no, it hasn't started. I think because um, as, uh, talking to a manager, I think like uh, I would think so. He would want me to stay, but. Um, obviously, with the situation and everything, you'll be on hold and see. Like, I'm not sure they know the budget and everything's happened. We don't even know what division yeah. we're gonna be in yet. So, 
I think it's all to be on standby. But yeah, of course, like, I would love to stay here. So I've been moving around for the last three years and then I want to settle and I want to be part of a project, on like a longer term project. And I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm getting older if I can like, just carry on and just finish at Swindon and help like the youngest one. And that would, that, that would be great for me. But um, like, like I said, I've, I've been bouncing around the last three years and I need a bit of stability. So we'll see, we'll see what happens um, when we start talking with the club, really. Yeah. But course. yeah. I'll enjoy my time here. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's fair enough. Don't worry about that. We don't need to go into much detail in, in that front. Yeah. I mean, what what we've experienced at Swindon before this year is two years of hope followed by just that sort of slow decline of a season just fading away. What has Richie Wellens done in your observation, because I appreciate you can't really compare this season with the others. What has Richie Wellens done to to get things right at that football club? Like you say, I'm not too sure. Like, it, it, it was weird because like, when I was at the start of season, I was like, I don't know, really. But then, it just like, everything got into, like, it put everything to pieces and then we went to the first game of season. I was like, yeah, yeah. And I, I can see, like, what he's done. And he, he's just, he, he's, he's had in, in his head an idea of what he wants to do how he wants to play, the type of players he wants, the type of mentality. Um, and um, yeah, like, they, they give the freedom to people to express themselves. And then, yeah, it's just like, he, he, I think he had a clear vision of what he wanted to do. Like I say, like what's uh, my former teammates say, he want to do his thing, not worry about others. Just do, he's got a clear vision of what he wants to do. And he's been able in the transfer market to get people to fit what he wants to do. I think that's important. Even mentality-wise, I think we've got great lads, but we've got also a bit of um, a bit of character, a bit of swagger, a bit of arrogance. And um, I think that's what he said to me when I met him. He said, like, "I like people with a bit of arrogance." I think it was like he was um, with Cantona at Man United, and he must have stick with him. You need to have like this bit of arrogance, and especially when you want to play the the way we want to play, when we you want to play from the back and stuff. Sometimes you got to feel when it gets tough. You want people to say, "I saw right, give me the ball." Like, and it's just, it, I think that's what he's been looking for, and and the fact we got closer to the fans as well, and it's just everything. You can feel like everything took together, and it's just made like a great recipient, and just it just took off really. Yeah, the, the stars have certainly aligned and having the fans on side always helps. And it just felt like even from game one at Scunthorpe, it just seemed that the fans were buying into Richie Wellens and what he was saying because Richie Wellens talks a fantastic game. Many managers we've had over the years say the right things, but don't always produce to how they would want as, as as much as we would want them as well. But what we've seen here is Richie Wellens has said what he wants to do. He's stuck to his guns and we're seeing the the rewards on the pitch, which is great. And long may that continue. I think what I like is like, he doesn't really care, does he? So no. he's not playing a game. Like when he talks to you in a press, like he's not really. Yeah. And I think people can see that he just say what he thinks. And then sometimes like people won't like it, but they respect it rather than, some managers are just trying to play a game and trying to be liked by the by the fans. You just tell how he is, and and I think it's the same with the players. You just 
he's not trying to play a game and be a sad person. Like you just say whatever he thinks, and and you take it like you like it or 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 you don't like it. But it is how it is, and I think people can relate to that and just enjoy just the freshness. It's not it's not playing a game. We just tell you like if we've been if we've been rubbish, we've been rubbish. If we've been great, like we just got to say like we've been good. Absolutely, and I think the people are enjoying it. Oh, very much so. And it's a travesty that we might not be able to finish this season. But as long, I suppose, as Swindon find themselves in League One, I guess that's the consolation. But this side deserved that moment, whether it be first, second, third or playoffs. This this collective team does deserve to have that day with the fans where we can celebrate, which isn't going to happen. And if it does, it's not going to happen for a long time. And it's it's going to be a real disappointment in that respect. But, you know... The situation that we're all in—that's life, isn't it? Yeah, but there's something I'll know is more me more than someone talking about my injuries. Someone telling me like the sh- the, the league should be void. That's like that's annoying <laughs> me so much. It's it's like people that don't realize the work has been behind, seeing the sacrifice that like people have been doing for a season. We've been working for ten months for that, yeah. and you've been talking like it's, it comes up before pre-season, off-season working, and then all the pre-season working so hard, and like people don't realize like. We had moments when we had to, we argue together. There's people when you just like, you put yourself into it, and people are saying now that we should be void, and it's just like something that just infuriates me. And I'm like, what we've done, like we deserve. We got some bad times. I remember crew away. We we had to tell some truths. We had to argue together. We had to, we had to, a lot a lot was going on here, and then to people to say oh, I should just be void and everything you done. So you say like Dion Conroy. Did this crucial thing for the team, but basically it didn't matter. Yeah. Everything that's been happening didn't matter, and that's just annoying me. And if we get promoted, if they finish the league and we get promoted by points per game or something, I think we deserve that, and no one should feel ashamed of because well, the only thing we can control is what we've been doing on the pitch. And we've been top since October or November or whatever. So that's been great, and like, we deserve it. If we go back to playing, and then we still have the job to do, but. Um, what we like, no one can take like, take us off like what we've been doing from the start of season and to say like the season should be avoided. Don't want to hear no one saying that. Really. <laughs> yeah, I, I was speaking to Richie Wellens the other the other week, and I mean, I said if I was if I was like a, a supporter of a Cambridge United or a Newport County where the season is you know it's not mathematical but it's essentially over, I don't want Crew Swindon or Plymouth in the division next year I would much rather see them go up and then start again instead of voiding it and then we're all in the same boat it's a wasted year for everyone isn't it yeah like it's, it goes against people talking about integrity of the game you can't like you can't tell me um, say Southend um, next year deserve to be in League One yeah. more than we do yeah. um, so we're not um, one of my best friends is like uh, well I say Scott Cusper but Realistically, we shouldn't be in the same league as them. So if they can stay up in League Two because relegation to be harsh, they stay in League Two. But we shouldn't be in the same league from what we've done over ten months. It's so we play say six or thirty-seven games. Like it's, it's, I don't think it's possible. But like it's frustrating because um, I've been um, when I was promoted last season and I, I didn't really take part much of the season with MK. I was there. And I was my little one in the celebration there, and I was like, you know what, I'm gonna do it again next year, but proper, where I'll be a big part of it, and we could celebrate properly and I share some memories with my little boy. 
And um, now, obviously, it's not going to happen even if we go back to playing. So it's, it's frustrating. But like, like you say, it's, it's not a great situation for everyone. I've, I know people that had to cancel weddings and people just losing jobs and stuff. So is in the grand scheme, it's, it's not the end of the world, but it is frustrating. But I hope we, if we can share with the fans now, which um, we could share later on. But if we get promoted by point by game, I think we will have deserved it, and we shouldn't be ashamed of it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I have asked all the questions that I want to ask. We've now got a selection of fans' questions. Are you okay to answer those? Is that okay? Yeah. Right here yeah, we go. Then, so they range from the very serious to the very silly. Um, we'll start with yeah. the very serious. So Jack Tanner asks as one of our only EU players. How much has the uncertainty of Brexit impacted on his future playing in England and his football as unprepared and unorganised regarding future impact of Brexit on English football as it appears on the outside? How's that for a question? I didn't get the second bit of it. What did um, you say about organised? Yeah, so it says, and is football unprepared and unorganised regarding the future impact of Brexit in England? I, so it's it's well for me like I don't think it's got any impact on me like I might be um, but I've been in the country for nine years I've got um, my wife is English um, I've got kids here so I don't think they would kick me out yet <laughs> but I think oh, I should shouldn't apply laugh. to shouldn't laugh. I've, I've got to apply to something I think but uh, I'm not really worried about it I was talking to the PFA uh, at one point last season in trying to um, help the foreign players. Because um, from my experience, when I came over, I I was left a bit by myself, and it was a bit hard, and I didn't get any help and stuff. So I was thinking that the PFA should be someone um, to help them. Uh, so I was talking about that, and they were seemed to think there wouldn't be many foreign players in the lower leagues anymore because of this, because it would be harder to get um, work permit and stuff like that. I don't believe it. I don't know. Yeah. Because when I was in France, like we, we still had like people from outside the EU come in, and football always seemed to have like different laws or always different where to go. So I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, and maybe it would be less like, but I think it would it would be a shame. But I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? Well, a complete change of pace now from James Spencer, who says. Yeah. Is your nickname Frenchy? As I'm pretty sure I've heard Richie Wellens call you that in interviews. Yeah, people seem shocked, but uh, that's how I introduce myself usually. So uh, you introduce I, yourself as Frenchy? Yeah, I want <laughs> to be the or, like, I'm the original Frenchy. I'm the, I'm the one. Um, but everyone's called me like that. My friends, my, my best friends, everyone's called me like that. Um, usually, when the new player come, hi, I'm Frenchy. Um, it makes it easier because most English people can't say my name properly so it's like that and people just think I should take it as an offence but funny enough I'm French so I'm quite <laughs> proud of it so it doesn't really I don't feel insulted by people who me Frenchy yeah, Premier League in France and Frenchy in England that'll do won't it yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Joshua and Josh Strange have similar questions so we'll combine them Joshua asks what's the best game you've experienced in a town shirt and why and Josh Strange asks what's been your favourite home and away game this season and your favourite moment so we can combine those questions I'm not sure really. We had some good ones, didn't we? We have. Um like atmosphere, like I mean, it could be ex, ex, 
Exeter was a great, like, the best atmosphere, I think. Yeah. Um, it was great, but the game was rubbish, to be honest. <laughs> it was the wind. It was the wind. There's not it was so it. windy. It was so windy. It was so bad, but the atmosphere was great. Uh, Football-wise. Leighton Orient, surely. Yeah, Leighton Orient. For me, I had a special test as well to be there, but um, yeah, Leighton Orient away was great. And the first game of season, I think, was a great experience. Yeah, I think, talk, yeah. Uh, just because, um, like I said before, the unknown, like you don't, like you haven't played against a team in your league, you don't know where you are. We have new like team put together, and you're thinking, you don't know where you're going. And then the relief at the end of the game, I think, is like for me, it was like great, yeah. And to know that, like, oh yeah, I think we can do something this year. Yeah. So that was big. Yep, cool. Jamie Day asks, how do you compare the last two years given you've been in the same position with both teams in regards to going up? Which campaign has been best for you and how excited are you going forward with Swindon? For the first bit, like to compare the MK and stuff is really different. The thing is like um, at MK people were almost expecting us to be there. So it was a bit, a bit maybe a bit more pressure and a bit more criticism. Yeah, yeah. yeah like, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, you won. Well done. Like, it was expected. And the manager was different as well. He was like, it's very much like, um, they want, uh, he don't want people to celebrate because during the game when they score goals because basically you haven't finished the job. Oh. Which is like, uh, fair enough. Like, it's, it's, it's be like, basically say you can celebrate, you celebrate. But then, well, if you lose the game, you are, you've been celebrating before. Like, and you can concede in two minutes. So him is like really, you just keep professional. Even after wins, don't don't over celebrate. Like till basically, basically you promote it. So he was really professional in the approach, and he was like really serious. Here, like the gaffer is more about like there's a time like, just enjoy what you're doing. Basically, and be more freedom and a bit more like, expression. So yeah, it, it is different in that sense. And what was the end of the question? Um, and how excited are you going forward with Swindon? Yeah, yeah, really excited. Well, I've seen like um, I missed the train and Bournemouth and going places, and um, I could see like Swindon being one of them. It's like the fan base and the club. Like I've got potential to go a lot higher, and I want to be part of it. So, like I say, if I, I want to stay for a long time, maybe, and and then after just help people and just be part of it, really. Yeah. Calv asks, how have the centre-backs dealt with this year as the pairings have rotated between yourself, Dion, Conroy, Ballard, Edmonds, Green, Friars and even Grant at one point? Um, yeah, I think it took like a lot of like um, talking really, doing the um, training and stuff. So even at the start of season, uh, me and Dion before pre- and pre-season, we are talking a lot, even with the defenders about what we do in certain situations. Like because there's kind of stuff like you need to know what other person's gonna do. So we had to talk a lot, and then when you got down, and then same like you had to during the weekend, it's just condensed. But you've got to just make the principle and just uh, and make sure like we're all on the same page. So it, I think it took a lot of talking, and yeah, and the margins made made it easier as well because it's like it it, give, it it tells you it's got a clear idea. So people know what to expect. <laughs> Daniel Bowen asks, was your goal against Cheltenham Town in the league really offside? He was never offside, never. <laughs> never. I mean, but, um, it was good ahead as well. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it was great, like, same, like, it was great, like, at least I lived, like, for, 
five seconds. Uh, great emotion. The fans were celebrating with me. It was great. Been, I looked like an idiot for the next four days because people were just watch, like sending me videos of uh, what's the show, like, where they show the highlights. The where I'm just celebrating. Yeah. yeah, I'm celebrating for two minutes when plays on play resumed. So, but it, yeah, I think it was never outside. <laughs> Anna asks, when you're angry on the pitch, do you swear in English yeah. or French? Uh, depends. <laughs> I do a bit of both now. Um, well, yeah, I start to swear in English now, but there's an old like French one coming back sometime when I'm really, really hungry. <laughs> Pete Marsh asks, who's been the most difficult player to play against in League Two this season? Um, Nicky Mena was quite sharp. Yeah, yeah they, had, like, they had a few chances in there. I don't know, really. I think like... Mm, yeah, Nicky Maynard. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, almost like joined that, yeah. Swindon last summer as well. He was uh, he was on Richie Wellens's radar. David Bullfin. Yeah, he was. But alas, he went with the uh, the Mansfield Circus. Um, David Bullfin asks, "What's the best preseason tour you've been on, and why? And do you actually enjoy preseason?" Yeah, um, yeah. I don't mind preseason. To be fair, I like the I like the pros. Uh, it's like when um, once I get injured, like, I don't like. I know he was being not injured, but then I, I kind of like the process of like getting back fit. You know, like it's like you're with yourself, you just put yourself goals and you've got to achieve stuff and it's quite like and it's same like preseason you've got the unknown, like you don't know what others are doing and you, you want to feel like you're gonna be more prepared than all the other teams. Um so I kind of like it. And this season it was like he was quite enjoyable to be fair. We went to Spain and it was great. We got to we had a new team so we got to know each other a lot more there. Um we had we worked really hard but then we had also some time to just relax and so yeah, it was enjoyable. Nice. Chris Kyle asks What's the most famous person you've met outside of football and person in football who has most inspired you? That's some deep question that that I think of. Nope. Nope, and in football, who has inspired you the most? My dad. It's a cliche, cliche answer, but it is true. And what's your initiation song? Uh, my initiation song? Why did I do the last one? I don't remember. I think I did a French song, uh, my go-to uh, since I was in France. Because uh, when I was in Doncaster, I tried to step up and do a Justin Bieber song. <laughs> um but then the lads were just laughing because I was uh, I was killing the lyrics and Max and was just making them laugh. So I'm not gonna do that again. Fair enough. And Harris Hawk asks, "Do you ski? If so, what's your favorite French ski resort?" Yeah, I used to ski every year till I was about 15. So I missed that, and I'm probably on my list for when I, the day I retire and when I try again. I didn't go to good. I never went to a big big station though. It was quite. A, Family, family one. I don't like when it's too busy, so you you wouldn't know. But it's called um, Saint Genève, mm-hmm. so that's the one that I used to go at. It's the next question is a standard one from Swindon fans. It's from Hanra Hanrahan, and that's what's your favourite cheese? My favourite cheese. Oh, we love cheese on friends, isn't it? <laughs> I like tartiflette, so it's like the the one they put on top, Roblechon. Yeah. You don't eat it like as you, but it's for the cooking, unbelievable. Robotion. 
expensive in England though. <laughs> and the final question, we've pretty much covered it, but it was asked in French. It's from Michael Gray. He says, Qu'est-ce que c'est? C'est la différence entre le football français et le football anglais. Uh, yeah, football, English football is more intense, I think. More intense than more that just doesn't stop. I remember when I came play that third game for Leeds. I was like, it's non-stop. It was just one end to another. There's no like change of tempo. It's always 100 miles an hour. Um, and more like physical like, in the air. And then French football, I think, is more more technical possession. And in a scale of one to ten, how good was my French then? It was all right. It was all right. I'll, say, uh, I'll give you a Six. I'll take just it. Just above average. I'll yeah. take it. Thank you very much. Frenchy, I can't believe I just called you that. Thank you very much. That's yeah, fine. No worries. It was a pleasure. Try the box to Good run by him and now match goal. Below Strangers is proudly sponsored by the official STFC Supporters Club. The music was created by the great Matthew Kilford and the artwork is provided expertly by John Daglish. Thanks for listening. Come on, Swindon. It's a grand old team to play for. And it's a grand old team to see. Come on, you know the history. It's enough to make a hard goal. What the hell do we care? Cause we only know that there's gonna be a show and the swind and turn will be there. Hi Alice Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy. Or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant like Darren Ward. Or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.